This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, all episodes are currently available completely ad-free on What's the Story Crime. Signing up is really easy. Just follow the link in our show notes. You're guaranteed to find your new favourite true crime listen. From con men to missing people, forensic investigations to miscarriages of justice, What's the Story Crime is the home for all true crime fans who want bingeable, addictive, crime-based content. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Missing is produced by What's the Story Sounds. They also make lots of other great content, which I think you might like. Why not sign up for What's the Story Crime? On there, you'll find series including The Missing completely ad-free, as well as bonus content and even entire series you can't hear elsewhere. Signing up is super easy. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes to get access on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. All the information is also available on www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime. Everyone is fighting their own private battle in some way, shape or form. And we all choose different weapons to keep ourselves from being overwhelmed. 52-year-old Trevor Farthing liked to work with his hands. He took pleasure in physical work and crafting was a form of therapy for him. Give him a few pieces of wood, a handful of nails and a toolbox and by the end of the day, he'd produce something wondrous, like a medieval-style catapult which could hit distant targets with pinpoint accuracy. Between crafting, time with his family in his hometown of St Helens, Merseyside, and walks with his beloved dogs, Trevor had worked out how to stay on the winning side of his battle. That was until June 2017, when Trevor went missing sparking a new battle for his partner of over 30 years, Marie, to find him. I'm Pandora Sykes, and you're listening to The Missing, a podcast series produced by What's the Story Sounds and brought to you with help from the charities Missing People and Locate International. 
they believe that all of the cases in this series could still be solved. This is The Missing, Trevor Farthing. Marie and Trevor first met when Marie was 12. They both grew up in the town of St Helens, in Merseyside, in the northwest of England. It was a friend of my brother's uh, when we was young. I used to go with um, a girlfriend of my sister's. Trevor, a year Marie's junior, immediately caught her eye. Well, it was good looking back, back then. <laughs> it still was, the. <laughs> It wasn't mine to have at the time. It was somebody else's. <laughs> After all, timing is everything. And only a few short years later, when they were both still teenagers, they got together. And then we kind of dated for a little bit. And then it ended. And I vowed never to speak to them again because something happened. But there are only so many hotspots for teenagers in St Helens. And inevitably, their paths crossed once again, one night, in a local pub. It was called the Railway. It was on Fleet Lane. And we sat down and there was two pints on the table next to us. There was nobody with these pints at the time. And then, next minute, these two men, young boys, walked over. And it turned out to be Trevor and one of his friends. Um, and he was like, oh my God, he's here. You know, don't talk to him. But by the end of the night, we was back talking again. And from then on, we started seeing each other. Together, they began to raise a family. Marie had a daughter, Gemma, from a previous relationship, who Trevor helped raise as his own. And the couple went on to have two more children together, both of them girls, who they named Faye and Megan. He was a good parent. He was, he was hands-on. Marie and Trevor loved spending time together, particularly when they could combine two of their favourite activities, bike riding and bar hopping. You know, with all the gear on and stuff like that, we just liked to go for bike rides, you know, as a family. We ended up that way where it became a pub crawl on a bike. It was just some really good memories. But yeah, we used to do that quite often. We used to go for miles and miles. And on the way back, we'd go nip to the pub, each pub as we'd come past, and have a quick shandy, and then we'd carry on to the next one. Trevor and Marie had been together for over 30 years, but they'd never chosen to get married, something their friends and family pestered them about endlessly. We had the conversation quite a lot of times, but... We just, we just never did. We just, we was happy as we was. In 2002, the family moved to the market town of Newton Le Willows. They loved it there. The house they finally settled in on Sturgis Street was just a hop, skip and a jump from the local co-op. The neighbours were great and the streets around them rang with the sound of playing children. When he wasn't spending time with his family, or up to his neck in his latest DIY project, Trevor plied his trade as a painter-decorator. He worked from, from being a teenager, painting and decorating. Uh, he used to enjoy it. And as years gone by, he, he changed. Trevor worked for a local outfit, but far too regularly, he seemed to clash with his employers. 
He felt he was being exploited. He was doing too much work for too little pay. And he also was struggling mentally, fighting an internal battle that seemed to exacerbate any work-related conflicts. I think part of Trevor's problem was, he he always says he was dyslexic. He struggled with, you know, his spelling and things like that. Although, he was one of these who spelt it how it was said, not how it was spelt. So, he let it become part of his problem and he escalated with it as well. Whereas I used to say to him, well, I'm no good with maths, but I don't let it bother me. Don't let it get to you. You know, there's lots of people in your position who just don't let it get to them. Just carry on with what you're doing. You're doing a good job. But he, he didn't. He just he just let it escalate. Um, where sometimes it took over. Trevor eventually left his decorating gig and found himself trying his hand at a wide variety of jobs, trying to plug the gap. It kind of drifted from jobs to jobs. He even gave cockle picking a go. It's when you go out and the tide's gone back and they go and collect all the cockles out at sea, off the beaches. They bag it all up and take it back to the person who they were actually working for and then they clean it and sell it on. It was a hard job at the time. Um, But he did enjoy that as well before finding a gig at a local garage as a mechanic. He ended up doing engineering. He was um, fixing wagons and things at the end. But sadly, Trevor once again found himself in a work arrangement with an employer who he believed wasn't treating him fairly. That became a struggle because of the people he was working for was making him do jobs for two men, which became very hard. I think that's that was like his turning point. Oh, he was definitely being taken advantage of. The issues with his latest job, coupled with his ongoing personal struggles, proved to be too much for Trevor. And he had a massive breakdown at the time. And he, he kind of went downhill from there on. For years, Trevor had dealt with his problems himself, trying to shield his family from the worst of it. But this time round, he realised that wasn't an option. He felt he needed a little bit of help. So he went in to see the doctor and they gave him some medication. But this didn't seem to help matters much. In fact, things only seemed to deteriorate. He started having absences and... He started with non-epileptic seizures, which was very scary. And he was just about to go and have scans on his brain before he went missing to see you know, if there was any effect there. Trevor was nevertheless a proactive and practically minded man. He was determined to do what he could to keep his mental health in check, giving himself the time he needed and immersing himself in nature. He wasn't the person who went shopping you know, the local towns. He was one of them people who liked to walk down the canal and through the woods and, you know, he liked to do things like that. So that's what he did a lot of the time. And when he did go walking, he was typically accompanied by his most trusted companions. He liked to take the dogs out for a walk. The big one's Saluki Lurcher. His name's Todd. Um, 
and the little one is called Flint because he's black and he's a little scruffy terrier. Trevor still enjoyed the occasional tipple with friends. He used to go for a drink at St Helens Town Centre. Um, he had a few friends there. He used to go probably once a week and then it dwindled down to just every now and again. But they all used to come for him, to him for advice. He was like a Samaritan when he used to go to town. And then eventually uh, one of the friends he was talking to used to come our house on a regular basis on a weekend. It became like his drinking partner. In the months leading up to his disappearance, however, Trevor seemed to lose interest in his weekly pub outings. They became less of an appeal. Perhaps the crowds, or the noise of the bar, or the depressive effects of the drink put him off. Instead, he found new ways to pass the time. Probably the last 12 months, he didn't go out. He kind of just... But when his friend used to come down, he started doing archery as well. Uh, for a spell. Um, he bought a bow and arrow and he was doing archery, which he enjoyed that. But then one Sunday, in June 2017, everything suddenly came to a head. Um, when we got up as usual, he, he seemed a bit irritated further on in the day. He had a drink on that day as well, which he doesn't usually do. He only usually has a drink on a night, maybe at weekends. But this particular day, he'd had a drink through the day. Um, He had an argument with one of his daughters and went out for a walk with the dogs. And he came back and he wasn't his usual self. Trevor was behaving irrationally and got into a shouting match with his family. And the argument escalated to the point where Marie had no choice but to call for backup. She was worried for her partner, who was clearly distressed. So that evening, Trevor was taken away for treatment at a nearby facility. It was June the 18th, one day after Marie's birthday, and this threw the family into complete disarray. It was one of the moments where we didn't know what to do. Three days later, Marie got a phone call from the treatment centre. He'd left and they can't find him. Trevor was last seen on Marshall's Cross Road in St Helens at about 9.30 in the morning. A busy main road not far from the facility he had spent the last few nights in. Marie didn't know where Trevor had gone or what was going through his mind, but she knew there was no time to ruminate on it and immediately sprang into action. Well, I I contacted uh, the police to tell them and uh, that he'd gone missing, and they put everything into the process of looking for him straight away. I think because he came from the facility as well. Whereas if I think if he hadn't have been there, then the search might not have gone ahead as quick as it did. Anyone perceived as being in a vulnerable place, as Trevor was at that time is treated by police with the utmost urgency. Should a missing person be seen as a risk to themselves or others, reacting with speed is imperative. And after getting off the phone with the authorities, knowing the wheels of a search were in motion, Marie had the horrible task of breaking the news of Trevor's disappearance to their children. 
it wasn't a good conversation. But they they come searching with us as well. But I try I tried to not include them on the mall because I thought, you know, if we do come across something, anything, um, then I wouldn't like them to be there. So we stopped taking them in the end. Meanwhile, the police were deploying resources across Newton La Willows in an attempt to locate Trevor. They put on a good search for him. They searched everywhere. They had helicopters um, out looking for him. They even had divers. Despite the reassurance that the police were doing everything they could, emotions were running at their peak. We came across the police searching the canal, Newton Willows Canal, because we know we liked water and, you know, we liked fishing and, and all that. There were few things that Trevor enjoyed more than taking a leisurely stroll along the canal before sitting down with his fishing rod and chatting with passers-by. It was hard, very hard at the time, you know, to come across it like that because he sets memories and things in your mind so you start overthinking things, you know. It made you think about well, did he, did he do stuff like that? Did he do that? You, you know what I mean? It sets your mind off racing then. I mean, because I've seen, I've seen the helicopters overhead and we've seen the police searching, but we never come across them in the water like that, which was a bit hard. Trevor hadn't taken many belongings with him when he'd gone into the facility, so some of the more typical methods of trying to discern someone's whereabouts weren't an option for investigators. No, because he didn't have anything with him. All his bank cards and everything. You see, Trevor was like the old kind of guy. He didn't like cash machines. He liked to go into a bank. One thing Trevor did have on him, however, was his mobile phone. You know what I mean? He didn't like modern phones. He liked the old-fashioned type, you know, just a button and you know, get where you're going without all these fancy screens. It was kind of old-fashioned in a way. He didn't like technology. He didn't like the world moving on as quick as it was. Um, But yeah, he had a phone on him. That's why they found his phone. Despite the age of the phone, authorities did manage to triangulate its location. Well, the only way it was pinged was around the place where we used to live before we moved to this address. It was called the Bormos Common. But, yeah, we used to walk over there a lot. It was a nice, it's a nice place to go for a walk. My daughter still goes there with the dogs. Uh, We used to sit round the, as they call it, the lagoon, because there's an area of water round there, which used to go and picnic around it. Merseyside police targeted the area with the same rigour as their previous sweeps of Newton La Willows. But no further traces of Trevor were found on the fields, or in the water. And as days turned to weeks and the police presence inevitably diminished, the one thing that didn't was Marie and her family's determination to continue their search. We did a lot of search and we searched everywhere where we thought he could possibly be. We even came across a tent in a wood which we were scared to go near just in case because it was like a deep in this woods. Um, But what we did was we took posters of him around with us. So wherever we went, we left a poster 
Um, so we left one outside of these tents, you know, to say, we've not come, you know, to interfere in what's going on. We just want, you know, if if you've seen him or anything, please let us know. Um, but we didn't hear anything back from it. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Trevor's family ran through all of the possible scenarios. Had Trevor simply gotten overwhelmed by his current circumstances and decided to take himself away for a while? Maybe he'd settled elsewhere, finding comfort in his anonymity. It's an outcome Marie and her family have spent a long time pondering. Whenever they get a tip in a new location, they make sure to check in with the shelters in the area. So we went to Manchester and gave lots of posters around there, visited, um, you know, all the YMCA's and Sally Armies and places like that and put posters around them. Another far less desirable outcome is that Trevor had taken things a step further and decided to end his life. Trevor did have a history of self-harm, but if he had taken drastic measures, then there would have been a body, and the police have never found one, so there's every possibility that he's still alive. There is, in fact, one particular detail about Trevor's disappearance that has always evaded the police. Well... This is what happened on the day, which was the 18th of June, 2017. He'd gone out after the argument, and when he came back, he was acting a bit strange. He said he'd met a woman who found him having a drink and confronted him. And she helped. he said that she'd helped him so far home and left him there to carry on his way. And she went her own way. But he never gave a good description of this woman. So we didn't really know who she was or where she was from. But believe it, it was around the canal area. 
worry matter. The authorities put out a statement, appealing for the woman in question to come forward. She wasn't a suspect, but they thought she might be able to offer up some insights about Trevor's mental state on that day. Perhaps he'd said something to her during the brief time they were together. Maybe he'd offered up a nugget of information that could help the authorities to better direct their search. But we've never come across anything from her since, you know, any words about who she was or where she was from or we don't know. We still don't know to this day. Almost inevitably, a handful of armchair investigators latched onto this mystery woman and began to spin elaborate theories about her and Trevor. Well, the, the story's going round that now that he had an affair with this lady. It's like, it's very laughable. Trevor wasn't like that. He was, we was, we was very close. Um, we got on very well. I mean, we did have our moments just like everybody else, but he wasn't that way inclined and I wasn't that way inclined either. You know, we, we got on well. I think if anything, you know, we did meet somebody, I think he would have finished the relationship first before he would do something like that. And the rumours didn't stop with the talk of an affair. I mean, there was whispers going round that had murdered him or, you know, which is typical of, you know, these situations. They'd put posters up in Liverpool of Trevor. Um, somebody said, oh, she's probably murdered him. And the person I know had heard him say that, so... It's actually mind racing people think, actually thinking things like that. But they do, though, don't they? Part of the initial optimism around the search for Trevor was that he had lots of specific physical attributes. He had his uh, shaved bald because he was going bald, so he just ended up shaving it all off. He had blue eyes. He had a pair of jeans, a green T-shirt and a peaked blue nightcap and walking boots. Um, he had tattoos. He had a sleeve full of tattoos on one arm, which was all linked together with uh, flames, red flames. Um, and he had a scorpion tattoo on his left, top left arm, um, which was just black. Uh, he also had a birthmark uh, under his chin. Um, on his right side, which was like a 10p size. And then, one day, out of the blue, a stranger reached out to Marie, saying they'd spotted someone matching Trevor's description. A lad from Warrington, I think he was from, who'd said he thought he'd seen him, spoken to him. But when we tried to contact him, he kind of disappeared. So we never really got any further with that one either. I mean, we did go to the place where we thought that he'd seen him. You know, we hung around for a bit. Well, he just got in touch with us um, through Facebook, really, and just said that he thinks that he'd seen him. Um, he said he was from the same area. And that was it, really. And then when we contacted him back, he said he'd get in touch with us and talk to us but we never got anything back from there. Another witness came forward, 
saying that they thought they may have seen him on the day he went missing. Down the canal, someone said they think they were speaking to him, sat on a bench. I said they was talking to him, saying that he had a bottle of whiskey. You see, because what we heard, he went to the shop and Marshall's Cross Road and bought whiskey. I don't know if it's true. That's what we've been told. And then this fellow was supposed to have spoken to him on a bench, but they're saying he had a bicycle with him, which Trev didn't. So I don't know where the bicycle came from. So we're assuming that it wasn't Trev, but they give the good description of it being him. Some sightings took them further afield. We even went to Manchester because when he first went missing, I don't know how it come about now, because it's such a long time ago um, that he could have got on a train. It was possibly seen at Earlstown Station, but we don't know for sure if it was him because the description they gave of him was different. For Marie, it didn't matter how unlikely any given lead was. She was determined to follow up each and every one of them. We're always searching. Oh, we put posters up on Facebook. We've had posters either, um, but a lot of them get took down as soon as you put them up. You just continue to do what you think is right, you know, to find it within the powers that you've got to do it in, really. But we do try, as I say, we search everywhere we go. I mean, we visit this town, you're looking all the time. You're constantly looking. If somebody passes up with you, somebody on, online, you know, like um, somebody says, such a body's gone missing. You're listening all the time in case they come across somebody else, which could be Trevor. You're constantly listening and watching whatever's going on. Facebook, there's always somebody going missing and you're listening to it. And then you'll see it, you'll hear something, a body's been found and your ears and eyes are all over it. Trevor had one grandchild before he went missing. Now, five years later, he has two more and their parents are desperate for them to meet their grandfather. The jigsaw piece missing from everyone's lives. If he was somewhere and he was living his life with somebody else, it would be nice to think that he would think of us and just pop somebody a note and say, could you let these know I'm okay and I'm getting on with it? I would be happy with that. I mean, I don't want to know where he is so I could drag him back to my life. You know what I mean? If he's happy where he is, then that's fine by me. On more than one occasion, people in Marie's life have suggested it might be time to let Trevor go, to start anew. I hate it that people say, you know, it's time to move on. I'm not ready to move on anywhere. Not until I know where he is, what's happened to him. I need to know. As I say, my life is not moved on anywhere. It's still... I mean, although I'm, you know, I, I am carrying on. My life is not moving on, if you understand what I mean by that. Because it's the not knowing. I mean, nothing towards anybody who's lost somebody, but they know where they are. You know, I don't know where Trevor is. 
I don't know if he's alive. I don't know if he's passed away. I don't know if he's carried on in life and he's enjoying himself somewhere else. For Marie to stop searching before she has the answers would be impossible. My journey never stops and my journey's still going now. You never, never stop looking. You're always looking. You're looking at faces, you're looking at... You go to a town and there's down and outs. You're kind of examining them, really, to see, you know, if it's a similar size to what Trevor was. You're looking to see if it's him. Has he got the same features? Does he walk the same? Because if he was living on the streets, he'd probably have a beard and, you know, his hair would probably be grown, which he had curly hair. So you're constantly looking. You go for a walk down the canal, you're looking. No matter where you go, you're searching for him. Just living at home that one day, you know, you'll come across him or somebody will, you know, direct you to him, listening and watching, just in case. The DIY projects Trevor left behind are a constant reminder of the void his absence has created. Whether it's the sound of the handmade wind chimes made out of old cutlery that clink pleasantly in the breeze, or the sight of the almost seven foot tall tree fashioned from recycled wine and beer bottles that the couple built together. All of them are full to bursting with the memories of a 30 year partnership. Which is sad really, but that's how it is. That's you you're waiting, you're listening, you can it's constant. You know, you can't let go. It's part of you. So you're always gonna be looking, no matter what, until you know something. In many cases, it takes just one piece of information to lead police or family to the answers they crave. If you know what happened to Trevor or you remember seeing someone like him on June the 21st, 2017, your information could be vital. Even if you've never heard of Trevor Farthing before listening to this episode, you could still help. Visit our website, themissingpodcast.org, where you'll find more information on this and every other case we featured in the series. The series is also made with the help of Missing People, a charity who offers support to the families of the missing. Their helpline is open to offer support and advice if you have been affected by anything in this episode. We can't say this enough. It takes just one person with the right information to solve any of the cases in this series. Marie and her family hope that the information will soon arrive to solve this one. The Missing is a What's the Story original podcast series. It's presented by me, Pandora Sykes. The episodes are produced and edited by Jack O'Kennedy. Executive producers for What's the Story Sounds are Daryl Brown and Sophie Ellis. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This season, we're launching a new episode of The Missing every week. But if you don't want to wait, you can listen to them exclusively on What's the Story Crime. Just search for What's the Story Crime in Apple Podcasts or follow the link in our show notes to get access on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. All the information is also available on www.whatsthestorysounds.com forward slash crime.